Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Good evening. Hello. Hi, everybody. Okay, so who's been doing commercial conversions themselves? Rounded about, yeah? So what sort of areas are you operating in? Northampton, surprise, yeah? <laughs> Milton Keynes, yeah? What sort of buildings are you finding at the moment? Not many. Not many. Why is that? Yeah, <laughs> that's called the economy. It's probably doing better than the Daily Mail suggests at the moment. Um, you, you, most stuff is actually going up quite a lot, and it's you know there's quite a lot of demand for most commercial buildings, especially the offices. But there are still quite a few types of commercial buildings that aren't you know they're not really loved. They're not really sort of marketable as a commercial building to let. People don't want them, um, and lots of residential sort of developers or people that might convert them look at them and sort of think they're too difficult or they won't work. What sort of buildings are they? What sort of buildings generally work like that? Pubs. Yeah, pubs, Nightclub. depending on where you are. Nightclubs can be really good. I think you might have seen this before, hadn't you? <laughs> yeah. So nightclubs can work really well. Why are nightclubs good? Why have they been good? Yeah, lo loads of big spaces, but the licensing laws changed a few years ago. Do you remember at 11 o'clock we all used to have to leave the, the pub or, you know, the, wherever we were, and then you had one choice. If you wanted to carry on drinking, you'd got to go to a nightclub. Um, so that sort of kept those guys in business. And when the licensing laws changed and pubs could open till 12 or 1, and do you remember it was all staggered, so everyone didn't come out together and fight and, and puke and all that sort of stuff at 11 o'clock. It all got staggered. Um, the need to go into clubs reduced, and loads of them ended up empty and went bust. So in stacks of towns up and down the country, there are a whole load of empty nightclubs. In Peterborough, we've got, I don't know, four or five of them. I've been trying to buy quite a few of them for years, but they're owned by big funds, and they, they sort of loosen up, and then eventually you get them. Uh, and this was, it wasn't a, you know, strictly speaking, a nightclub, but this was a private members club that had become a pub. Um, so this was a, another sort of similar project, um, not advertised in uh, a very sort of good way for the vendor. Um, this was one of those that was sort of off, semi-off market, um, why might that be with pubs and buildings like this? Why, why might they not be advertised very well? They're still with an agent. Commercial agents often are not as good at marketing buildings as residential agents. That's very true. Uh, but this is even worse than that. Down to the rates? No, rates, rates on pubs are never that bad, really. It's the bloody offices and the one I bought recently. I mean, the rates are just eye-watering. Um, but the main issue is if they've got punters that are going in, or they had punters that were going in, if they see a board go up and the, the place gone for sale, their trade generally suffers. So a lot of the time they don't want to do it. So what they'll do, they'll advertise these in little sort of, you know, the morning advertiser, you know, for publicans or 
this, this was on florets. Have you heard of that one? I had, I had a couple of florets uh, around the same time. There are, there are loads of these Dalton's Weekly. There are loads of these sort of little, you know, pub sort of business guides where they get advertised and it's all a bit cloak and dagger. Sort of says, oh, East Midlands, not Peterborough. Yeah, and it doesn't say the name of it, but then there's a picture of it, so you sort of know. Um, so that, there are often quite, you know, they're often really good sort of deals um, that people don't necessarily know about in those locations. So finding those is all about going on to those websites continually. I find most of them on Property Link. Um, Florets and some of those others wouldn't necessarily go into Property Link, but they would um, sort of. You know, if you do a Google search or you have a look in, sometimes they put them on right move, but most of the time they don't. So the opportunity over the, since, well, since probably 2010, 11, has been, um, there's been a big PD opportunity. So if you take offices, you haven't needed planning permission. And I've done quite a few of those, uh, whereby we'd convert them into apartments. Um, why have they been good? Give me some ideas. So minim, no minimum size standards, that's been very good. Why else? No affordable. No affordable, yeah, that's quite useful, isn't it? Yeah. No sill payments, no 106 payments. Anything else? No parking. Yeah, that, that can be good, although some of them try and force you down that road, but most of the time there's no parking requirement, which is a big thing. Anything else? So that's about it. So offices have obviously been great. What's the challenge with offices? Proving that they're offices. Yeah, actually we haven't had that problem where we are, but I've seen that where people have had to, you know, send all the VOA information in or the rates and all that sort of stuff to prove that it was an office in 2013 because there's a date when it had to be an office. Yes. What are the other challenges? What's the biggest challenge? Yeah, I don't know. Lots of them are sort of long and thin. Uh, it's the nightclubs that don't have the light, but some, some of them have a deep floor plate and then it's a problem, yeah. The biggest problem is every man and his dog knows about this now and of course they're buying them. It doesn't mean to say they don't exist, they do, they still come up, people buy them, but they are more difficult to find. And certainly where we are, everyone that comes up that I've looked at in the last few years has just been way more than I want to pay. So I'm just sort of out. So I've been doing the stuff that needs planning permission. That's probably a bit dirtier and lots of developers look at and go, ah, that's a load of hard work. But I just seem to find that it works and it really works. Um, I, I do apartments sometimes, but a lot of the time I'm doing cluster flats, which is like a, you know, you might call it co-living, uh, but it's basically just a nice HMO, you know, which is split out into flats of five or six. Why are they good? Why, why would you have flats of five or six people living together rather than just do one and two bed flats? Yeah, there's definitely less kitchens, but there's more bathrooms because they all have an ensuite. And I think the cost is about the same per square foot. It's the yield. Um, on that building there, we're getting a gross yield of about 18, 19%. Um, I took the bank round today, another bank, um, because um, I took Metro Bank round because they come out from London to see me. And I took him around that building and he had a look at the, the yield and he was just like, it's just unbelievable. Because they see a lot of buildings, but they never yield that much, obviously. Clearly, we've got costs off that because we, we've got utilities, you know, gas, electric, all that sort of stuff. 
but it makes a massive difference if you can increase the density and obviously increase all the income. So I, I really like that model. And of course, if you increase the yield a lot, what then happens in terms of valuation afterwards? You can get valued a lot higher, can't you? Because a surveyor went around that and he valued that off a gross yield of 9%. So you can imagine it, it, it pretty much came out at double the cost. Um, so it's, it's quite easy to get your money back often. And it's not dissimilar from what Andy and Lloyd are doing. Um, it's, a, it's a similar sort of model. So lots of offices, they're being done. Offices still come up every now and again. Um, and if you can get them early or you know, find a way of sort of generating a sale without it necessarily being advertised, then they can still work. Uh, but um, there's a lot more people on them. So nightclubs, um, loads of those empty, loads are available. Um, so the biggest challenge with nightclubs is light. It's a bit like these rooms, isn't it? You know, if you were in the middle over there, how would you get light in to that apartment? or any apartments sort of on this side, how would you do it? So you might do it through the roof, yeah? You might cut into it, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the council and the planning authority where we are. Um, I, you know, I'd just put a central courtyard in and cut, cut a hole in the middle, but they won't let me do it um, on sort of buildings I'm doing. They, they seem to like them looking out, what high quality apartments, you know, all this sort of stuff, um, which is obviously good for the town. Uh, but can cost quite a bit more. Um, so, you know, light tubes are good. Cutting into the building, creating courtyards. Um, what other ways are there to get light in? You might have borrowed light. How would you get borrowed light in? Borrowed light can be a good one. Yeah, so fire doors are glass. Uh, obscure glass, what, to come in through the roof? And then the other, the other thing that, depending on whether the planners will let you do it or not, but if you're doing a HMO, you can reconfigure it internally anyway without consent afterwards. A favourite would be to put um, a lounge at the front where the windows are, make sure they're really big windows, and then you may have some bedrooms on that side, on that elevation with windows. Then clearly you always put the, the bathrooms at the back where there's no windows, and then you may have a couple of bedrooms, two or three bedrooms behind, and then they have windows, obscured windows, into the lounge, and it borrows the light from the lounge, which then comes through the window into the lounge from the external elevation. So you're, you're sort of utilizing that space in the middle by borrowing light. Um, lots of people say, well, you have to have a, a window that opens to outside. Is that true? No, what you need is ventilation. Um, so you can put mechanical ventilation in uh, to meet building regs. Yeah. And um, as long as you meet building regs, then you've sorted that. Do you understand sort of where we're, we're going with that? Um, so nightclubs can be really, really good. Are they lots of money? No, they're cheap. They're really cheap often because there's no use for them. Yeah. Um, it's just making sure that you know, what you spend on it means that it still works from a financial point of view. You know, where we are, you know, the values might be 250 a foot, which is quite low. Um, you know, and if you're going to spend 100 converting it and then you've got finance and legals and all that sort of stuff, it might be quite tight. So you might not want to spend more than, I don't know, 40, 50 pound a foot to buy it. So more planning relaxations are coming. Um, there's um, probably going to be some more relaxations around the green belt. There's probably going to be 
some more announcements in November, uh, or, or there will be an announcement during the budget, but they were supposed to do this last time and it was all a bit of a, a disappointment. Does anyone remember that? Remember this uh, sort of white paper? Um, didn't really happen, did it? Um, so that could all happen again. Um, there's definitely this HCA fund for developers that is running. I've spoken to those guys. If you can't get uh, development funding from banks, they will certainly lend to you. So that's quite useful. But where are most, if you're selling these, where are most of these flats being sold or who are they being sold to? Help to buy. Help to buy is massive. Help to buy is driving most of the sort of small one and two bed flat sales. Um, so if you can get units which work for help to buy, you get a whole load of um, buyers in, which can be a really, really good thing. There are a lot of PRS schemes going up as well. Private rented sector schemes, you know, big buildings that then get converted or built into apartments, you know, 60, 70, 80, 100, 120 flats in a block. Um, so there, there's easier consent for those kind of schemes as well. Um, so if you're, you're sort of focusing on that sort of stuff, you get a planning consultant who can navigate all the all these sort of new rules and the, the planning policy changes, that can be very, very valuable. So when you're out there and you're sort of looking for new projects, um, it's, it's clearly very, very important to work out what the SIL payment's gonna be, what the affordable housing's gonna be, and the 106, um, because that's gonna be probably one of your biggest costs. It's different for each council area. So generally, below 10 units, there is no 106. And in our area, there's no anything. You haven't got any contributions at all. Above 14, there is no SIL payment, but you have affordable housing um, where, where I am in Peterborough. That's all you have above 14. What's a good way around that when you're dealing with schemes that are not permitted development? Is anybody know any ways around affordable housing. So it might be a feasibility, so you sort of prove that it's the cost of the development are going to make it unviable um, and therefore you wouldn't be able to deliver it with this sort of big affordable homes payment. Something else, something else that's really valuable that was reintroduced last year. Make a donation. Make a donation, well, yeah, it's enforced bloody bribery, isn't it? All, all of this is, I mean, it's... <laughs> Yeah, legalised bribery, basically, isn't it? The vacant building credit. You've heard this somewhere before, Ian. So I'm, I'm applying the vacant building credit to a project that I'm doing at the moment. It basically says, if you've got an empty commercial building, you can offset the floor area of that empty commercial building against any new residential space for affordable housing purposes. So you, you don't make any affordable housing contributions on that, that square footage, even if you knock it down and build new. It's a new thing that was sort of uh, reintroduced by an appeal court last year in, I think it was June last year. So not many people know about this. It's a bit like the, the, the PD of 2017. I, I was doing PD stuff, you know, right in the beginning. I did the first application in Peterborough. I, I know a few people say that, but I, I think I really did. Um, and, um, and it was great for a few years until everyone else got on it. Um, I think this will be great for a few years. I probably shouldn't be telling everyone, but I just sort of am. So uh, I don't tell the agents about it because then they just tell all the other buyers. Question? No. No, no. 
Yes, any commercial building. Yeah. The office thing is, is clearly, you know, there is no affordable, there's no SIL, there's no 106, there's nothing, no contributions whatsoever. Yeah. But with this, this is, um, this is just affordable housing it applies to. Yeah. So I think you still need to make your SIL payments. But SIL isn't always that onerous anyway. Affordable can be the worst thing. Yeah. You, you can convert, but it must be empty and you can't have made it empty. So it's almost like the tenant's got to have gone of their own free will and yeah. If you uh, sort of booted them out and created this empty building and then got the council around, they might want more evidence. Yeah. So it's all about increasing the density. You know, I, that's a lot of the time why I do cluster flats. If I'm doing one and two bed flats, most of the time, they would be 40 metres squared on a one bed, and there'd be two beds would be maybe 50, 55. Some people are doing smaller than that, uh, but we're in Peterborough, and I, I think it's probably pushing things a little bit to go down to 35. Uh, I've semi-tested it. Um, I just think it's, yeah, it's too small where we are. But um, there's certainly, you know, there's guys, you know, closer to London that are doing that sort of thing. Um, if we're doing cluster flats, all the rooms are minimum 10 metres squared, and then I'm doing a kitchen lounge diner at 20 metres squared, and each room has a 2 metre squared ensuite. So I have all those numbers in my head every time I'm looking around, um, and then I, you know, I, I can usually work out how many of these I can get per building, you know, if I lose, say, 15% for all the corridors and the circulation space, uh, which, is, which is quite important. That's one of our early PD schemes that we did. That was uh, originally, it was a police station, and then it became an accountant's office, sold for uh, a lot of money in 2006. I think it was 1.6 million, something like that. Uh, and um, the accountants moved out, they couldn't relet it, so they sold it to us for 350 in 2000, it was 2011, something like that, we bought it, and then we, put it through, converted it, did it under PD, 23 apartments, um, and um, yeah, spent, spent about 800 on it, and we ended up selling them. Um, I put a biomass boiler system in there, and claim, I still claim the RHI, Renewable Heat Incentive, 12 grand a year, it's quite nice. Um, you can't, it's difficult to do that now, um, and we have had a few issues with it, but um, yeah, it's generally been quite good. Um, that's a pretty typical interior. We'd put a Wren kitchen in. Often we, you know, we're sort of quite grey, grey tiles, um, laminate. Um, it's a pretty standard spec. We'll always furnish them. Whenever we're doing a development, if we're going to sell them, the first unit on site will get done as a, a show flat to get it ready for sale. We do that, you know, get that in early doors. So, back to where we find them. Um, Clearly, the local commercial agents are the biggest kind of source of these. Um, and most of those are on Property Link. That's where, that's like the right move of commercial. So if you go on Property Link, you'll see all of those commercial agents advertising these properties. Where else would you find them? Where else could you find these buildings? Yeah, walking around. I drive around a lot, I knock on a lot of doors. I post letters into empty pubs. I go on land registry, find out who owns the pub. Often it's a Jersey company or trust or something like that. Often write to them, get them on the phone, just say I'm interested in you know, purchasing it. Do that a lot. 
how else would you find them? Commission? If you've got any of your tradesmen or any local people who you know you 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 talk to any guys in the pub trade, you know maybe some landlords you've kicked out of buildings that you've you've sort of purchased. Um, if you pay them a commission to find you more, some of them will do. How else? Where else can you find these? I'm not. Yeah, yeah, pub. Yeah, that that could be true. Yeah. Pubs closing down on Facebook, yeah. Auction sometimes, yeah. A lot of the time, there's just a board up and no one else seems to know about it. Um, so, you know, and often badly marketed because uh, they might be with a commercial agent who's more interested in sort of letters after his name rather than doing a good marketing job. It's pretty, pretty constant with those guys. Yeah, oh, that's, that's a favourite. In fact, the agent on that one, the early one, the agent was about 60 miles away. That's really common. We have loads, all the nightclubs in Peterborough, they're all on for sale with a London agent. It's like an hour and a half to get to that agent. And then, oh, well, we link in with the local one to do the viewings. And of course, you know, trying to book a viewing takes 47 years and they never ring you back because you know what they're like. Because often these big funds own them or a big sort of pub co-owns it and they instruct one agent, and they might be in London or Manchester or whatever, and then of course they may then use a local one or whatever. Um, so that's very, very useful when they do that, uh, because it means you end up getting it cheaper because they're not as good at sort of getting it through. Often, you know, they need board approval for these deals, and then the deals always take ages. Um, I find once they're agreed, they, you know, they can take a lot, lot longer to complete. Um, so where do you find the money for these sort of deals? Well, there's a whole stack of banks wanting to lend on development funding or wanting to lend on you know, development um, type projects right now. Um, I'm finding the banks I'm talking to are, are really hungry. Uh, we just seem to be at that point in the cycle where they want to kick money out the door. Because um, I, I guess because they've had quite a few years of good returns on their money and not lost a load. Um, wait till the next crash comes along and um, they'll be very disinterested and it'll all turn again. But at the moment, they're absolutely loving it. So it, in many ways, that's my favorite source of money because it's the cheapest and they don't usually let you down. Um, however, you might need some top-up money. Um, you, may, you, know, you may do it as a joint venture. You may sort of bring somebody else in. Uh, maybe they have a share of it. They put all the money in. Um, there are various different ways of sort of cutting it in that sense. Um, so lots of people would sort of borrow money and pay interest, and then some people would sort of give somebody else a share as well. Um, so that happens quite a lot. Um, they might get some mezzanine debt, so maybe the bank lends 60-70%, and maybe they, they borrow 20% on top from another funder at a higher rate, because it's higher risk, and then maybe they put 10-20% in themselves. Um, so who sort of finances these on the back end. Well, Lloyd's, they're really sort of keen on this high income stuff. <coughs> Metro are really good. I found them good. I've, I've done quite a few projects with them. Um, if you're going to, at the front end, where you're looking for development finance, um, Metro would be quite good. You could use BGL. They'll probably lend you, sorry, BLG. They'll probably lend you 80% um, of cost. Uh, Zorin. Uh, they'd be lending about 80% of cost as well. 
the higher rates, they're more like sort of 10, 11%. Um, so um, they're, they're really good. I've got a broker as well. If anyone needs a sort of broker contact for development finance, I can, I can let you have that. And here's uh, another one went around this today. This is a 16 room one, smaller. How much do you think that was? Oh, it's there, 205. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, little pub. Um, and um, yeah, we've sort of, um, that'll be finished probably just after Christmas. We banged a big extension on the back. Um, so that'll be ready shortly, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, just get it all full. Um, so commercial finance, you know, maybe you might use Metro, Lloyd's, um, RBS are back in now doing quite a few of these. Anybody else using any other commercial lenders for these sort of projects? Bank of India, hell. any good? Quite random. I remember the Bank of China were sort of getting, getting when we were in the credit crunch, I remember we were finding it really hard to, to, to borrow from the normal lenders and I traipsed around London to the Bank of China and there was, um, what was it, the, there was that South African Investec. Um, I went around a load of Arab banks, um, Adam & Co. There's a whole stack of them in London. If you get the um, British Bankers Association, it lists all the banks out and actually a lot of them, they'll just sort of, they'll have a normal sort of credit policy, but if they like you, then um, you know, they'll, they'll probably bend it a little bit. I had the guy come out with my relationship manager from London today uh, with the guy from credit to have a look at these buildings because they're a bit further out than they'd normally do. Uh, and they were bang on for it, sort of you know, showed them around, talked them into it. And obviously they like all the income streams. So if you can sort of start small and build up, often they'll move away from what their normal sort of central credit policy is, if they like the model and you've been doing it a few years. <clears throat> Usually around 60 to 70% loan to value on this sort of stuff um, and critically you often get a choice of surveyor on the revaluation why is that useful yeah so often you get a bit of a, a list they all need to be on the panel what do you do when you get the list give them all a ring what do you say yeah if you say how you're going to value it uh, I don't know some will go oh I like this and some will go oh blah, blah. I need, to, I need to see the building and I need to understand who's living there. I couldn't possibly, you know, give you any of that detail. But you can often sort of start saying, well, you know, I need to get an idea of the methodology behind this because if I'm going to be sort of creating this, um, you know, sending all the figures in for the bank, I need to know what figures to send in uh, because it's very difficult, you know, without understanding. And they go, oh, well, maybe we'll value it off this yield and we'll take the costs off and whatever, and then you, if you can get a number out of them as to what yield they're going to value it off, then you're usually winning. The disparity, the difference between, you know, Mr. Happy and Mr. I spilt my cornflakes down my front this morning is massive. I, I asked for, on that first property I asked, and this isn't normal, I asked for 2.3 million and he valued it at 3 million because he said that was what the sort of yield was. But you could have Mr. Grumpy come around and say it was 1.8. It just, it's like that with this sort of stuff. Not, you know, if you've got a flat or you've got a house, it's probably within, they're all within, well, they can be 20% apart, but they're usually within 10, 15%. Commercial buildings, frequently, if you get three surveyors out, they could be 50% apart. Seriously, it can be massive. <laughs> no. 
Not, not, not these days. Um, if that goes back to the bank, then that's usually the end of it with that bank. So then you're probably on to another bank. Yeah. This is why you've got to sort of filter them out because if you get, you know, a, a real difficult one on the phone, and you can your relationship manager probably knows that you're going to have a chat, and you know, there's a couple of real <clears throat> nasty sort of local ones where I am, and he sort of knows anyway, and he doesn't even want all the grief of it. Do you see what I mean? So he'll sort of send me some other ones. Yeah. Um, back in the day, uh, when we started sort of 06, 07, when we were buying little houses, uh, little terraced houses, what we used to do, we used to go to a mortgage packager, yeah, which is basically a mortgage broker, and um, <clears throat> you'd say, uh, right, I want to go with that lender, because they'd have, say, seven lenders. They'd have Mortgage Express and Birmingham Midshires and, I don't know, UCB and TMB and all these, yeah. And you'd say, I want that, that lender there, and then you'd go, right, which surveyor you want? And he'd have like seven surveyors. And I, I remember there'd, there'd be people sort of getting, you know, buildings valued as high as they could so they could get maximum lending. And they'd just get the first surveyor in. Oh, no, we don't like that one. Next one. Oh, we don't like that one. And of course, they all just go back to the mortgage packager. And the packager puts it together and sends it to the lender. But because it's basically the broker, they're just any valuations and well, I should put them in the bin and strap the next one until and keep going until they got the one they wanted and then put it together with the application and then send it off to the lender so of course that all sort of wound to a halt in 2008 I'm not sure why but it sort of finished what <laughs> it was uh, it was an interesting time uh, yeah so yeah no ERCs often you're borrowing you know usually pretty low I mean you can some of these rates are below three percent uh, I've done one recently at 2.7 percent I mean it's three million pound loan um, so they're very they can be very very cheap these commercial loans uh, and usually there's no early redemption penalties to get out of them one and a half percent fee something like that um, another good thing if you're going to buy your own office go to Barclays for an owner-occupier, for their, their office or their sort of retail space, they'll lend 80% usually of the value. Uh, and they, I think the last one we did with them was 2.5% interest. Very, very cheap. Uh, and, you know, that, that office, you know, would rent and, and does rent to our business for about 35 grand a year. Um, and I think the mortgage payments are like 12 grand. So you can see there's a, a massive disparity between buying uh, and renting that sort of stuff um, so yeah really really important um, that you um, you know you you buy high yielding stuff you buy high income assets um, because this is the sort of stuff that commercial lenders prefer um, so if you're just buying a sort of white vanilla flat or a house and you're not increasing the income through maybe you know, HMO or maybe service accommodation or something like that, you're probably going to end up with reduced lending and you're going to run out of money quite quickly. So if you can find a way of pushing the yield and pushing the income, often then you can sort of get most of your money out and then use it for the next deal and just keep going because that's what most of us want to do. We want to just keep going, don't we? Um, and creating the equity that the bank takes through development or buying something cheap. Um, so yeah, we all run out of money eventually. Uh, business plan. How do you how do you sort of get to the right person in the bank? How do you do that? 
Say again? Experience. Experience. So if you were going to go to a main major clearing bank, you probably just would walk into a branch and just ask for one of the business managers. Do you want to be dealing with the business manager though? Usually you want the property specialist. So you get them to refer you on to the property specialist and usually if you're doing deals and you're doing frequent deals, then they'll give you sort of a, to the property specialist who's you know, doing reasonable sized stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I do a bit of speaking for them or you know, meet them socially. It's a really good idea to sort of get on the right side of them and build a relationship over a period of time. You might want to put a business plan together to explain to them how you're creating um, these units, how you're converting them, how you're making this into a business, how you're then managing them. There's a lot of value in doing that. <clears throat> um, and then clearly what they're most bothered about is just working out how the debt is going to be serviced. So, you know, a minimum on commercial, most of the lenders that I would deal with would want a debt service of 150%. Yeah, so the, the income needs to be 150% of the monthly payment. So that first one I showed you and the one we're just finishing, the debt service is about 350% of the mortgage payment. So do you think that makes them comfortable and reduces the rate? Say that again? Yeah, they do. Depends on the bank, but yeah, in those scenarios, they'd be on pay rate, yeah. Um, if they don't do it on pay rate, if they want to do it on a higher rate, uh, because of a PRA doesn't seem to apply to these guys. Um, and you know all this stuff about how they want to see the whole of your portfolio? I've had to do that for years, you know what I mean? You have to send them the whole lot and they look at it all and it just with the commercial lenders, it just seems to be the way it's, I don't know, they've always been like that. But yeah, usually they go off pay rate, but if they don't and they start saying, oh, I want to do it on 5% or 5.5, just say can have a fixed rate deal and then they'll usually do it on pay rate. Yeah, that gets rid of that issue because uh, there's been a lot of rules the last few years. Um, so yeah, we're pretty much done. Has anybody got any questions? Uh, Lloyds and Metro, yeah, for long-term sort of investment finance once it's done, 15, 20-year finance, 25-year finance, um, yeah, probably those two. I have. <laughs> Handles Banking is, I've got friends who use Handles Banking and do really well with them. Handles Banking is very local, so where you'd have sort of Lloyds and Metro, they'd be sort of vaguely, um, you know, uh, consistent across the country, vaguely. Um, they're not completely consistent. And it does matter which relationship manager you use because they persuade credit to do different things. Handles Banking it is about the local manager and what he wants to do. And they almost set their own rules locally. Hi. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so Lloyd's do this hybrid thing, which is quite cool actually. It's a five-year product uh, and it's mostly interest only, but I think it's about 10% of the loan is capital repayment. Um, so it, it's almost interest only. Um, Metro do do interest only on residential. Yeah, but most of them are capital repayment. Yeah, I with this sort of stuff, I my long term sort of plan is just bring it down to fifty percent anyway, um, and then, you know, that's the that's the target. 
and then when it drops to say 30%, maybe re-leverage back to 50. I think 50's a good, 50, you know, 60's sort of enough. I mean, don't get me wrong, when I buy it and I've finished, I try and get as much money out as, you know, I, I, I want my money back. That's, that's, I don't take any more than my money back. Um, but over time, I'd let it drift down just to reduce the risk. Yeah, 50 or 60. Actually, the guys that came out today were, they, they were doing quite a lot of student stuff, but they were, yeah, not as positive as they were about this. They loved it because they were like, oh, yeah, it's the student thing. But for professionals, we get it. Great. Um, they liked it. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it depends on the bank. In Leicester, they won't do any of that. They're, they're just sort of advertising the rooms for you in the you know, accommodation office and then you know, these people who own these blocks are having to fill them themselves. And some banks are lending on that, yeah. Um, we haven't got a university where we are, but they put it in the local plan a month ago and it's going opposite that 16 bed one. And they announced that a month ago. So I'm quite excited about that. Um, they put, uh, it's 2022, they wanna have 12,000 students. So that's quite cool. But um, yeah, well, I just do my standard model. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. I, I don't know how I'll amend it for students. Maybe make it un unbreakable furniture or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, the professional thing. I I, I prefer it because thing is, everyone thinks, oh yeah, we've got to do a student block. Students, that's where it is, and that's where a lot of the investors they don't think about the professional HMO sort of market co-living type most of these people commute to London they're younger people they don't they want to sort of come drop all their stuff off you know they want something furnished um, they don't want ties they want all the bills included but they don't want to live in a shithole they just they want something en suite and sort of high end a cleaner comes in every two weeks the, the broadband is a thousand meg do you know what I mean they, they want something quite nice and they'll pay for it that's the point you know a um, a crap room in Peterborough is probably 300 quid a month. On these rooms, average, I'm getting 550, and we get 600 quid on one of the rooms, and a one-bed flat would rent for 650. Obviously, this is bills included, but it, you can just send the yield so much higher because it's, it's halfway between a, a room and a sort of hotel. So they'll pay for the service and you know, having, all, having a, somewhere nice to go with sexy furnishings. Yeah, yeah. Um, so banks aren't used to serviced accommodation because it's new. Um, so tenancy agreements. Well, I mean, the, the bank that I met today and the other one that I use, they'll both lend on it. But what they're saying to me is they'll lend on it as though it's a single let. So if you've got a 120 grand flat, and the rent is 700 quid, they'll, they'll sort of lend a multiple of that 700 pound a month rent. They'll ignore what the serviced accommodation rent is. So they'll still lend on it, but you just can't borrow as much because it's new to them. And you know what they're like? They're, they'll want to see a good few years of numbers and people make it work. And what one of them said to me is, um, we, we do get concerned when you guys are all controlled by Airbnb. Um, 
you, you need to be sort of more in control. Well, there's Booking.com, there's a few others, but um, yeah, they'll get more used to it, and then one or two will be doing it more, and then they'll be advertising it, and then the others will go, oh, we got to do it now, and then they'll all pile in. Do you know what I mean? Not in London, because lots of areas of London you can't do it, but the rest of the country you can. Yeah, yeah, early doors with HMOs, they wouldn't do it, and then they they get onto it, they get more used to it, and then they just takes a few years. Yeah, they do. They develop products specifically. Yeah. Small business sort of rates relief. Um, I haven't managed to do any actually. Uh, I've tried, but or our entities they don't seem to fit within the um, threshold. Um, I know when I buy these buildings, I get them taken out of rates as quickly as possible. Yeah. Not where we are, but in some areas, yeah. Where we are, they do actually want rooms. Um, they've got a big problem with, they, they've got 250 families pretty much homeless at the moment. They want 250 flats. But yeah, they're desperate for that sort of stuff, so they're not really doing it where we are. That's not to say they won't do it in the future. Okay, so we're pretty much done. Thank you very much. <laughs>